Hello everyone and welcome to King's Talk presented by Capsity Crown. This is Tony. With me as always, we have John. So, not a lot happening in the King's world, but a lot going on around the NBA still with the playoffs still happening. Maybe two sweeps about to happen. Heat might be able to sweep Celtics and Nuggets looking like they might sweep the Lakers. And then we also had the draft lottery last week. One of the the first time in many years where the Kings were not in the draft lottery for once. That was kind of refreshing. Spurs got the number one pick. They're going to get Wimbayana. Um, how, how do you feel about that, John, in, in particular? About Greg Popovich getting another possibly all-time great center? If I'm looking at this just from the outside and just looking at it from a pure enjoyer of basketball perspective i think that's awesome because it's just like you you see the spurs already have so many nice pieces you're pairing up one of the best coaches in history with one of the best prospects in recent memory that is just it's it's gonna be something that creates hopefully a lot of great basketball to watch but if you're looking at it from like a king's perspective it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if like the Spurs are necessarily like all of a sudden going to be like, you know, right there contending for the Western Conference title or anything like that. But, you know, it's something that it's it's uh, coming up uh, in a few miles. That exit will be there. So uh, not not shouldn't use that. that metaphor. David Robinson and Tim Duncan can we get it compared to Zach Collins and Victor Wimbayana. You know what? People underestimate Zach Collins. If I like that boy, Zach Collins. If that boy just stayed healthy, I mean, he was what like a he was like a top ten pick, wasn't he? Yeah, Sacramento Kings drafted him, <laughs> number ten, and <laughs> they traded him for Justin Jackson and uh, Scala Bissier. He's a top ten pick. You pick number ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just feel like that right. The Kings should have just kept him because <laughs> Justin Jackson and Scala didn't do shit. No. But, um, Although I thought Scott would have done something, but no. Do you? Oh, I have a better, a better question, and I'm sure. not like some draft guru or scout. But do you do you look at Victor Wimbayana and mean like this guy could be a bust? Kind of like the same way maybe we look at Chet Holmgren or people do. Oh yeah, I was right when you asked that before you right as you were saying Chet Holmgren. I was thinking that's immediately what I think of is the uh, the thin frame. That has to come into play. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And not just like in his rookie season. And obviously, I don't think the thin frame concerns for Holmgren. Obviously, they didn't have anything to do with his foot injury. That was just a freak accident, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not necessarily what happens with the frame in the first season. But it's the wear and tear. Like, looking at early in the career, like, what happens? How many injuries does he pick up? And I think Wembenyama, in particular... Uh, from what I've read, has had injuries along every stage of his career. So, like, there's definitely chances for that not to... I mean, there's chances for him to to be a bust due to injury, but it just feels like, barring that, it's, it, he seems so dynamic in so many ways. And I think the frame will have to come into play, too, to probably make him reach his ceiling. So... You know, it'll just be interesting to see how all of it kind of plays out. But I, it, it seems like if there's no injury, that uh, he's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty good. And yeah, the injury possibility is probably his biggest chance of being a bust. But I don't know. He's he's pretty great. But I do get distrustful naturally from just hype about guys. I mean, you watch him. It's crazy. It's insane. He's 7'4", 8-foot wingspan. He's crazy the that way he moves crazy. with mm-hmm. and without the ball. His shooting, he has a good baseline of shooting skill. He's already technically a stretch big because of his catch and shoot ability. He's gonna be, I mean, great from the start and all that stuff. But you know, the hype as to whether or not he'll be like on a scale or better than Tim Duncan. Tim Robinson, uh, David Robinson, Tim Robinson, <laughs> David Robinson. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, like we'll 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 have to see. But there's, it's it's palpable his his talent and his potential ceiling. You know. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's been getting all the hype in the last year, really. So it'd be nice to finally get to see him playing the NBA next season. Uh, like you said, barring any injuries, so. 
Yeah. And with Popovich again, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be great. You know, mm-hmm. his, his defense, his, his floor running ability, his floor stretching ability, his work on the glass. He's going to be utilized in a way that maximizes what he can do already and what it can do for the future. I mean, I think that that's the kind of, you know, with with a coach that's so experienced and so good and, and surrounds himself with such a good staff all the time, you know, that's just almost amplifying the promise that Wimbanyama has because you're putting him in a place that's going to be able to foster that probably just as good as anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's scary for other NBA teams, big time. I was just happy, and again, like I'm, I was kind of happy the Spurs got. I was just like happy that Portland didn't get him or some somebody like that. <laughs> Portland. Like if Portland got him, it's just like oh god, like here it comes. I'm gonna start talking about Damian Lillard's yeah, wine. Don't even get me started on Lillard. I mean, I already I read somewhere that Portland's gonna leverage their pick for a player at the third spot. I don't know. Just give up. Just give up on that 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 Lillard train. It's you're already four years. And once you traded McCollum, you should have just traded Lillard. I didn't really understand the the move to trade McCollum. I mean, I guess that was only last year. But like, what would you think? You're just gonna be like fine this year. I, I don't know. Was, wasn't there speculation that they were gonna trade because trade him and then re-sign him or something like that? Or am I making that up? I felt I like know. it's maybe it was probably just pure speculation, if anything. But I'm honestly surprised that doesn't happen more often. Like, why don't you just be like, I'm in the final year of my contract? Like, Geraldus Chapman did that. He's like the only guy I can remember. He was on the Yankees, got traded to the Cubs, won a ring, and got like the Yankees or the yeah Yankees a bunch of prospects or whatever. And then he just like signed with the Yankees again. Like, it's just <laughs> like the ultimate win right there. He, he was like a big Yankees fan. It's like, all right, let me go win a ring because the Yankees weren't doing anything that year. Get get some prospects for the team and then just head straight back to them after the season's over. Yeah. I forgot about that. I don't know. I guess that I could, I could see that happening a little bit more in baseball. But I, I'm just surprised it doesn't happen more often. Like, if you're so loyal to the team, then just, like, get traded for, like, half the season. Yeah. But the thing with McCollum is it's like, you know, he gets moved to New Orleans and like they won in the, one of the play-in spots, right? Or like one of the playoff spots from the play-in. Yeah, I think so, right? And they were, they kind of like, the camaraderie that builds, I think, when you're going on a run. I don't know. I mean, like they won a World Series in Chicago. I don't know. Maybe that's not a great explanation. But I would imagine that, you know, whatever camaraderie was built in that in that time. And then kind of that hope for the future. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of hope around New Orleans right after that, and rightfully so. So maybe that played into things. Just like you're on a different track. I mean, obviously, we don't. Even, I don't even know if the idea that they thought McCollum would come back in free agency or whatever is even true or not. But I kind of remember like I kind of remember like me. I don't know if it was like that was an actual report or like that's what people speculated. It's like yeah, he's in contract year. They'll just he'll just come back because he yeah. loves Portland and he just didn't. But I, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, talking about centers like Victor Wimbiana, um, we spent a lot of last podcast talking about maybe a replacement for Barnes uh, if Barnes decides to leave or the Kings don't d- decide to resign him and who could fill in his spot. Well, let's spend a little time today talking about who could fill in or not who, who the Kings could grab to fill in for that backup center spot because it was so bad last year. Alex Lynn did a good job down the stretch, but um, he doesn't, I don't know. You think the Kings would probably just try to go smaller is my guess, or uh, try to get like a, I don't know, just a better fit than Alex Lynn per se, even though he he played solid down the line. Do you have any favorites to fill that for the Kings to go after and sign? Yeah. I mean, there's, Loads of guys, but, um, you know, before we dive into that, I I do want to say that, you know, if the Kings have Holmes on their roster, they could easily reacquire Len and Metu if they wanted to. And obviously we know with Holmes, the idea is to move him as soon as possible. Uh, He's owed more than 12 million in the, over the next, uh, in each of the next two years. 
And um, in terms of Len and Metu, I think one of the things that's interesting about them is I wouldn't bring them, I wouldn't suggest bringing them back. I don't think anybody would suggest bringing them back to be the primary backup five. But especially when we go through this list, you know, you got guys, some guys that maybe are smaller, some guys that maybe are bigger or, or play one side of the ball better than the other. And with that, for that third center on the on the depth chart, you know, kind of complementing that with either Len or Metu because of their continuity with the team, the chemistry, all that stuff, their known quantities, you know what you're going to get out of them. That might not be a bad idea. So I think it's worth keeping in mind that, you know, they could come back, I guess, in a, in a basically a third center role, but they could also fill that with another free agent if they wanted or a rookie that they draft or something like that. But I mean, I think, I think that's gotta be fair to say, try to move Holmes and then consider the fact that maybe Len and Metu come back in a very, very reduced role. I I don't see Metu or Len coming back. I mean, I feel like at that point, I mean, I know Kate is such a work in progress still, um, but he's shown a lot of improvement. He was, he, you know, finished the G league with some honors. Um, the G League season. So, I mean, at that point, if we're talking about a third backup, I mean, it might as well just be Kata at that point. Yeah, I mean, you might be getting to a, the threshold where you need to decide whether Kata's legitimate NBA guy or if he's just going to be a G Leaguer. Um, yeah. I think last season he showed he was just a G Leaguer. He looked mm-hmm. mostly just kind of unnatural and was susceptible to fouling. And, I mean, he showed a lot of good things. But it, it still seemed like he was a ways to go before he's a rotation guy in the NBA. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of what happens, I guess, you know, going into camp and whatnot and what, what the evaluation is and what he, what, what he does in terms of work over the offseason. So I, I agree with that. But even bringing like Metu in to compete with Keita, I mean, and maybe I'm not even talking Metu because Metu's not the best candidate to do that, honestly. But there'll be obviously have to be somebody there to compete with Keita mm-hmm. for essentially that third center role, I guess, or maybe even the back of center role. But we got a nice list of potential candidates that the Kings could bring in. Some of them very gettable in terms of contract price that would be probably very good or at least better than those guys. But yeah, Keita's interesting. I don't know. I still mm-hmm. think there's a big question mark around him. Yeah, there definitely is. But I'd say for third, I feel like he could fill in for third. I mean, he is still very awkward, but I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, it's a question of do you want to keep him playing at that point? That is true. That is true. Because you'd kind of rather have him in the G League at that point. It's a good point. Yeah, I don't know, though. I don't either. Because because he's going to play in the G League's whole... Is he ever going to leave? That brings up that question. So... It'll be. I think that's one of the fascinating things to think about going forward. Is is Keita going to be able to show enough growth? Because he's getting to a point where he's going to be entering his third professional season. So yeah, he'll only have what one more year left on his contract, right? If that, I think they have to pick it up. Yeah. So it's kind of big for him. Mm-hmm. But considering that list, I want to ask you: Who would be your dream pickup? to come be the backup center. Don't say like Brooke Lopez, like somebody that... <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, Nikola Vucevic out the bench. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, I think it's it's going to be the same answer for everyone. It's going to be Nas Reed. I mean, he's just... One, he always kills the Kings. But two, he would just fit into... I mean, he played a great backup center. For, I feel like the last couple seasons for Minnesota, can stretch the floor, is a physical guy, kind of like an enforcer almost, too. And somebody can just slide in there seamlessly, really. I mean, I think he's most people's number one choice. That's like a realistic option. Although I I don't think he's realistic enough. I I don't know. I feel like Nas Reed can be more of a starting center. And I feel like he's going to try to go for that contract. Will he get it? I'm not sure. But he's going to command some money at least as a backup five. And if you still have homes, I don't know if he'll be able to give him what he wants. How, how would you feel about Nas or who's your uh, who's your number yeah. one guy? Sticking with Reed, I mean, he's probably the most complete option available. And just the fact that 
Minnesota brings in Rudy Gobert out there on a team that already has got Carl Anthony Towns and Naz Reed goes out there and, and just shines and uh, had his best season. He does a little bit of everything. I think one of the things that's interesting would be to see him be coached by Mike Brown and company on the defensive end, because defensively he hasn't shown really as much as he's capable of. I mean, he moves pretty well. He's heavy. Like he's like 250 pounds. Maybe not. Let me pull that up before I start spouting that off. Um, He's 264 pounds. So I was underestimating. He's 264 pounds and he moves. He moves pretty darn well. I mean, he Mm -hmm. could be, I feel like he's got some potential to be a little bit more versatile defensively, far more effective on that end. And uh, yeah, he would just be really ideal. I think you pegged it right though. I do. Th- I just think he'll get somebody's going to pay him. Everybody, whether they deserve it or not, people will go out there and pay for certain people. And I feel like stretch big men with more to show that can potentially be better than what they've just displayed this past season. Those are real commodities that you that people want to capitalize on. So I feel like Naz Reed's going to get a, a pretty good deal, and it's going to probably fall outside the Kings' ballpark. And also, it's just like, you know, one of the things you have to keep in mind with the backup five, especially in relation to someone as talented as him, is that how many minutes does the backup five play for the Kings? Like 11, 12, 13 minutes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 14 minutes at most. Like, it's important, but I feel like it's a role that you probably want to be a little more cost effective at. at. Mm -hmm. And like I was kind of alluding to earlier, maybe you even want a little bit of depth there, a little some options. Obviously, you'd like to have one solid guy fill that role, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that kind of comes into play. But in terms of like, if you could have anybody basically total wish list style, it's like, yeah. I mean, he falls at the, regardless of talking about a backup five, a starting five, just free agents in general. I mean, he's got to be one of the, more talked about ones obviously not like potentially Kyrie Irving or something like that <laughs> but yeah he's 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 terrific he would be, mm-hmm. he'd be he'd be he'd be awesome do you have like a maybe like I don't want to say a dark horse but maybe someone that could be like a cheap option that you like that you think could could be a, a good fit for that role on the Kings yeah I think and you mentioned him in your uh your article I like Eubanks I feel like you get him cheap and kind of just fill him that role. Like you said, like 14 minutes a night. Um, I mean, he was playing a little more in Portland the last couple of years, but in the San Antonio days, he wasn't playing as much. And I feel like he filled the role well. He can rebound decently. And I feel like he like knows his, his place within the offense um, or like with on the team and can just fill in some you know, just fill in those 14 minutes or so without Domas on the floor and not let it fall apart too bad. So he's like kind of like my cheaper option, but like also like a steady presence. Another name is uh, Bismack Biombo, another Kings draft pick like Zach Collins traded draft night. Not a guy who can stretch the floor and neither is Eubanks really, even though he can hit the three, he doesn't really shoot the three. Um, but Biombo's he's a good defender. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get with them. He's going to going to be physical is going to be basically down low uh but he can get some he can block some shots and he's gonna you know fight on the on the glass so i kind of like biombo too for that reason because we can always go for rebounding and defense yeah, he would he would be extremely helpful on the defensive end and on the glass but i do agree that eubanks is a really good option and I, having played in portland he played in san antonio under popovich i could see him just stick into the west coast and uh sign him with sack and have a good role and i think like you said i mean he he knows his role and part of his role is setting up other guys i think one of the things that you'll read a lot when you look up like eubanks season or review or whatever you'll hear a lot about how late in the season when you know, Shaden Sharp was getting more opportunities and whatnot and the younger guys and lesser known players were out there. Eubanks was there kind of helping guys get looks and opening things up for people. I think he's a good screen setter. He's got good energy to him. And um, he hits a lot of his shots near the rim. He converts stuff and can throw down dunks and also come up with blocks on the defensive end. So I think those that dunk and block combination on both ends, like 
that really feeds into the energy saying. I think there's just so many things to like about Eubanks. Obviously, obviously he's not going to overwhelm you. But I think another thing that's important is that when he got traded to Portland, he started every game after, like, to finish out that season for the Trailblazers. And he was really adequate. They, people were very surprised by how he played in that starting role. And obviously, you don't plan for this. Domas showed a lot of durability this season and a lot of toughness, probably more so toughness. But if he needed to miss a few games, you know, you'd feel, I feel like you'd feel pretty okay with Eubanks going out there and starting. So, in a lot of ways, That's true. Like in talking about Reed, I mean, Reed checks so many boxes. He checks all those boxes too, essentially. And he'd be like premier. Uh, but Eubanks is just, he's ideal, like in the sense that he'd be cheaper. And it's just like, it's just what you need. Obviously, it's not as good as Naz Reed, but. You know, in a lot of ways, it's a similar kind of impact, and it's 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 dynamic in the ways he can affect the game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned me. I feel like he's like who I want the Kings to get, cost wise, and what he'll be able to do off the bench for the team. Yeah, Drew Eubanks. He also he- looks like a leprechaun. <laughs> Where is he from? He's just, he's American, like Ohio or something. Really? Yeah. There's some guys that just like look Eastern European. I remember when I found out that. Um, it's his hairstyle. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I was amazed when you told me Frank Kaminsky was just American. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he looks European. I'm surprised you banked it. I thought he was a foreign guy, honestly. You banks. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it must be his haircut, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the hair. The, the, kind of the springy frame, the springy thin frame. Kind of yeah. Like but um, <laughs> it's funny. I don't know. You just, whatever. <laughs> it, is, it is interesting. It, it, you, sometimes you just kind of like assume things about players and you just never really bother to look it up. Because typically you're thinking it as you're watching a game. Like you're not thinking of looking it up. You're just kind of there. And it'll establish things in your head. It'll just be totally wrong. Yeah, right. I think the last name too, Eubanks. You, you, I mean, that's a, I think that's like English or Scottish or something. Really? Yeah. Never, I've never heard that name. Well, Drew. And well, you're learning too. a lot. Learning Dude, a lot uh, yeah, Drew. no idea. Drew Eubanks. This is the Drew Eubanks episode. Yeah. <laughs> but um, let's think about two guys that were on the Dallas Mavericks last season. Dwight Powell and Christian Wood. Obviously very different players. I think Dwight Powell's an interesting one. Um, he, some people have said that there's just no way he's not going to be a lifetime Maverick, but I could see him pr- filling that role in the Kings pretty, pretty adequately. You know, he's one of those guys that offensively it's very one dimensional. Like he's really only going to get dump offs, lobs, putbacks, things like that. I don't think he scores from outside the paint. I don't really think he scores outside the restricted area or at least that general area. So, but defensively, like he's pretty good because you have to consider the fact that the Mavericks brought back JaVale McGee to kind of fill that starting role with better defense. And I think like three or four games into the season, they just went back to, to Powell because he was just better at that. You know, he's not, he, even as a starter, he didn't play a lot of minutes, but he was like a good energy guy makes the right play. I think, you know, I think I'd rather have Eubanks because I think Eubanks is also younger. I think Dwight Powell's like 31. But Dwight Powell is kind of one of those options that if you're talking cheaper, if you can get him to leave Dallas, I think he would be a pretty good option. You know, I mean, like, how do you, what do you think about Dwight Powell? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to feel about Dwight Powell. I never thought he was like a, a starter, like he started in Dallas the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, like you said, he wasn't really getting starter minutes. I mean, I wouldn't mind him off the bench. I mean, he, he shot 73% this year on 3.5 attempts per game. And like you said, just mostly in the restricted area. Kind of, you know, you, you know what you're going to get from Dwight Powell. You're going to get dunks and, you know, just consistent minutes from that backup center role. I, I still prefer Eubanks, too, maybe because of his age. And maybe there's a little more mystery to him. Like, he did, he played well when he was a starter last year in Portland. Or Dwight just kind of like, all right, 
six and four as a starter. But you know, like you're not looking for a starter. You're looking for a backup, and he's a guy who's been in the league for a, a minute now, and there's a reason why. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hate Dwight Powell. But Christian Wood, on the other hand, like, nah, keep Christian away from the Kings. You know, I totally agree about Christian Wood. I think Christian Wood is obviously a very talented offensive player. Does he even would he even want to come to Sacramento to play a backup role? Yeah, like probably not. He's he's he, honestly someone might pay him to be a starter. He he's uh, how old is Christian Wood? Probably mid to late twenties now. I was gonna like say he, I think it's like twenty eight, right? Like he's probably looking at one of his last opportunities to get like a pretty big contract, being in your late twenties, maybe verging on early thirties. And I agree, he's probably not a good fit. I mean, talented offensive player, but I mean, the reason he never saw the type of minutes people thought he would get in Dallas is because he just, like you said, he doesn't defend at all. But Dwight Powell went to Stanford, and I think, like in terms of his role, if you have adequate spacing, you know, he's going to be able to play a similar offensive role that you saw Matthew do, which is just like sit in the dunker spot or creep in for an alley oop. And uh, Dwight Powell's better at that. He's taller, I think. Mm-hmm. and uh longer so and he converts them well i mean how many times did you see metu like you know convert like one out of three or two out of four alley-oops it's like how'd you how'd you miss some of those but yeah. i think dwight powell's got better reach and a better ability to convert it so you'd almost be getting a better metu i mean you could say that about a lot of these guys <laughs> a better metu because metu tries to do so many things and some things he does pretty okay you know but a lot of these guys fill out those those requirements a little bit better, but yeah, I think Dwight Powell's you know if he can't get Eubanks like you said, he's he's solid. And in turn, and that that same concept of knowing your role and doing what he needs to do and filling those you know five to seven minutes per half with just nothing but energy because it's not that much time like Mike Brown always says, and Powell could be a good energy guy. Yeah, but I agree. But a guy that we were talking about at the trade deadline a lot in terms of potentially having the Kings trade for to be a backup five was Mason Plumley, And, uh, well, the, the Kings have a chance to sign him if, uh, if both parties want. And uh, we talked a lot about Plumley kind of being able to, I mean, he was, first of all, he was really good with Charlotte last season and he, is a guy that is one of the more underrated passing centers in the league. Obviously, he's not as good as, you know, the names we know like Jokic and Sabonis and stuff like that. But yeah, as a, as a backup behind Sabonis, you'd be getting some continuity in the style of play, or you at least you could try to do that. At least he would replicate some of the things Sabonis brings in a backup role. And um, he can he's pretty good offensively, and he's he's solid defensively. He's obviously old though; he's going to be thirty three, or he just turned thirty three, I think. And um, you know, you basically be getting him for I don't know. I mean, like you'd get a good season out of him, probably maybe two, but you know, maybe you'd want to do that on a one or two year deal with the idea of developing somebody, whether that's Keita or somebody else. Plumlee's a good option for that, you know especially since we were talking about Keita, maybe needing a little bit more time or Plumlee, I guess, kind of provides that kind of a strategy, I guess. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about him? Is it, is the age too much of an issue? I mean, uh, it shouldn't be, especially like, this is kind of like one of those positions where you're not really trying to fill it for like years to come. Right. It's like your backup five is not part of your core. So yeah, we he need to fit the timeline. I mean, th- th- those positions are kind of like the ones that, You'll probably have to refill every couple of years. And I, I think Plumlee would fill in nicely for like a two or three year deal. The age doesn't really bother me too much. He's not playing that much. And it's someone we talked a lot about, like you said, at the trade deadline is I feel like he could replicate Domas's game just enough off the bench for those 14 minutes where, it, you know, for the sake of continuity, it could be good for the team. Um, so, yeah, no, I would like Plumlee. Maybe a two year deal would you know, until maybe Kate is ready or you draft someone and they're ready this year. I'm not sure, but the age, the age doesn't really bother me too much in the limited amount of time that this backup five will be playing unless they really want him to run the floor. But Plumlee has his other advantages than being like, you know, his, I don't think the age is that big of a deal. Is what I'm saying. 
Hey, he'd be he'd just be a solid backup. I mean, I think he, yeah, the experience matters. I think he's played backup roles before. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I think he played backup to Jokic. He was in Denver yeah. for a minute. Yeah, you're right. I forgot. It's probably, and um, obviously, the Clippers traded for him to be a backup. I mean, to talk about kind of extending a career a little bit more, you know, the idea of playing 12 to 14 minutes or whatever is very appealing for longevity. And I he just does, I mean, he's not like, he doesn't wow anybody, but he does like a little bit of everything in a way. I mean, even for like an older, not known as an athletic big man, like I feel like the few times the King saw him this past season, I feel like he was running the floor really well. I think he had like, like a few rim run alley-oops or whatever. And <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it surprises you. And whenever you watch Plumley, you just, you get, you can feel his feel for the game. It's, it's, it, it, it reaches out to you through the screen. Mm-hmm. So he would be really solid and probably, you know, as long as Bones Highland isn't there, I think he'd be a good locker room guy. What what happened there? Am I missing something? Yeah, then the in the playoffs, him and Bones Highland were like barking at each other on the bench. That's funny. I wasn't even paying attention. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't go over that before the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think Mason Plumley, I mean, we were talking so much about him at the trade deadline. I feel like got to give him similar love here with free agency coming up not too far from now, Mm -hmm. but also, but also still really feels far away, but (laughs) I know I know it's only like a month and like a week, really month and a week, five weeks. Yeah. July 1st, right? Yeah. I got 12. So yeah, I guess, you know, you mentioned, Plumley being Jokic's backup. Well, the the Nuggets traded for Thomas Bryant at the deadline this year. And he got a little bit of playtime, I think, here and there. But he just not being used in the playoffs. I think his defensive deficiencies are pretty considerable. He, he's like kind of up there with Christian Wood. Although, I feel like he's probably a little bit more of a palatable option than Christian Wood in mm-hmm. the eyes of a lot of fans. I think um, so and I, he had like a really good game against the Kings. Yeah. Like, was like it January? Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, Killed he, us. he could be, you know, really good. And he's, I mean, the injury history is there, but he's still pretty young. And I feel like you might be able to get something out of him on the defensive end. He's got a seven, six wingspan. And he's, tw- he's going to be 26, I think, in a few months. So he, he he's an option. I think if you're talking about, if you want to get enamored with an offensive player or an offensive centric backup center, Thomas Bryant is the better option than Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'd be interesting, but there was a reason we weren't like talking. He wasn't, there was not a lot of like, oh, the Kings should trade for Thomas Bryant. I mean, like, in terms of what the Kings need out of a backup five, I don't really know. And um, it, it'd be interesting to see what Thomas Bryant. Bryant gets in terms of suitors in the offseason. I know. See, but, he's barely played in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I don't think he's played at all. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's really, he's probably pissed. He's really hurting his, uh, his, his, uh, stock in the free agent market. Um, <laughs> Why, why'd you trade for me? Well, they're yeah, not even like, I don't I even know. think they're playing a center. Like, it's, it's, Jokic is the only center that plays, I think, for the, for the mm-hmm. Nuggets, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they're running like an eight or nine man rotation with like no backup center. I don't know. The game is so different today. I mean, like you can get away with like playing small five. I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, they can play like Aaron Gordon at the small five. You can talk about a versatile player and whatnot. It's just like, why play Thomas Bryant? You don't need the offense (laughs) from him. You're getting it from other places. His defense is probably just so bad that you don't want that out there. Yeah. And, and you know what, kind of bringing that up, man, we're talking about bringing guys in. I mean, we were talking about it a little last week, just to kind of take it off Thomas Bryant, but stay on the point of going small at center and maybe not playing a center as the backup five. And we were discussing it last week with Trey Lyles. And if you're bringing Sasha Vedzenkov over, cause it sounds like Sasha's coming. And I mean, you don't really want to bring over Sasha Vedzenkov and then just have him ride the bench. It just would be kind of pointless at this point, And he'd probably just leave, you know, why would you stay in the NBA to play uh, like third string power forward behind Keegan Murray and Trey Lyles and then uh, Vezinkov? And I know Trey Lyles is a free agent, but I mean, 
I'd be amazed if he doesn't get brought back and considering what he did for the team last year and his willingness to stay in sack. So it's like, well, maybe Vezinkov's your backup four and then you just go put Trey at the backup five. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs against the Warriors. We saw that in the overtime against the Minnesota in overtime, that one game where he kind of just made Rudy Gobert irrelevant as a stretch five. So I think that's always an option too. And I, I think bringing like, Vezinkov coming over makes it like a little more realistic. And I have no problem with Lyles being the backup five, considering Metu was the backup five all year and they're the same size. And I think Lyles is probably a little stronger. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Because, you know, you can't play Lyles at the backup five as much because then now you're kind of losing out on essentially your backup four. And so now you have a guy that can essentially slide into that. And, you know, maybe you just buttress that with, you know, some size at the third center. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could totally work. That that would be uh, quite quite the option. And I think he's earned a nice payday. He's a great role player. He's going to have other people that would want to sign him, obviously. And if you're going to be paying him a little bit more, I mean, get the most out of his versatility. Get the most out of his floor stretching ability. I feel like by doing to do that, you you play him at the backup five, or at least primarily as the backup five. You have all the options. I mean, you're talking about more versatility at that point. And uh, yeah, I I think it's a compelling prospect to think about. If we're going to be talking about Thomas Bryant and Christian Wood, you got to mention that. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom, guy- Thomas Bryant, I, it kind of like my two cents. Like, yeah, he's a great offensive guy. Um, I don't know, just, you know, defense. And I just don't feel like that's, I, I feel like he could be molded into a better defensive player than Christian Wood comparing those two. But at the same time, I just feel like there's better options out there. And I feel like he's a guy. Yeah, will probably command a little more pay than maybe Drew Eubanks. Yeah, no, I think that's for sure. Yeah, I just don't even know if he'd really like fit in in terms of his like he can stretch the floor, but other than that, I don't, I don't know if he'd be the greatest fit. Yeah, he, yeah, he just doesn't seem like the best fit for the Kings' offense. Yeah, you know who would be perfect, but he's not going to leave Philadelphia. Paul, Paul Reed. Reed. Yeah, I really like Paul Reed. I think a lot of people like Paul Reed. Just a good defender, a good rebounder. Gets into foul, can not get into foul trouble, but does foul a fair amount for the relative to the minutes he plays. But um, man, you would just be getting a really solid hard worker that uh, keeps his head down, does his job, real blue collar guy. And um, yeah, he's a restricted free agent. He likes Philadelphia, so there's. Pretty much no chance it's going to happen. But, hey, if he was an option, like I would I would consider him near the top of this list. I mean, he'd be probably cheaper than Naz Reed. And I think what he does, again, defensively and on the glass, that's that could be extremely useful in the backup five role. He's, just, he's one of those guys that I feel like he, we would grow a similar affinity to him, you know, being able to watch him for a season. We'd grow probably a similar affinity as we have for Trey Lyles, just in terms of like, just plays the game the right way. Yeah. Experience as the backup to an all NBA center, too. That's true. To an MVP. Not my MVP. <laughs> but talking about growing affinity to a player, someone we like a lot and who the Kings did not resign last year and kind of bounced around this season with a lot of playing time, Damian Jones, who does have a player option um, in Utah this season. I don't know. I think he'll accept it. I think he will take, yeah, he'll pick, he'll pick up his player option because I don't think he's necessarily guaranteed another job in the NBA, but I think that doesn't happen if he's texting his buddy Monty McNair. Yeah, right. And Monty's like, hey, like you come here, you compete for, I mean, you talk about it, like maybe a guy that either competes with Cater or something like that, or even a guy that you want to compete for a backup five spot, whatever the deal is. I mean, how much would he, he wouldn't even be getting paid that much money. No, was he even getting paid that much money in LA? I mean, what's no, the player option like, for? Like two years, four mil? Yeah, I think it so. Was, it was Something very like small. That. 
yeah, two years, four or five, I think. It was yeah. not big. So, you know, he'd probably get paid about the same amount and get maybe even a little bit less with the notion of actually getting an opportunity to play rather than, you know, a jazz team that has uh, a little bit more retooling to do. And they also have, you know, Walker Kessler there who made the all rookie first team, rightfully so. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It's just like, it's, I guess it's just a question of like, does he have enough in the tank is, you know, does he really care about having an NBA career? I mean, the guy's got like a degree in engineering from Vanderbilt. Not questioning his work ethic, but I mean, like, you know, bigger picture with, you know, these guys are human beings with lives. It, it might be one of those one of those things. I don't know. But I mean, if he could come back and do what he did late, what, last season, <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, there was a reason kind of early in, into the mid part of the year we were talking about, man, they should really try to get him to be the backup five. I mean, his ability to kind of be a solid defender, kind of do some switching, be a versatile five, at the five position on that end of the floor. And then also his jump shooting seemed to be kind of coming around. He was hitting like mid-rangers and even some threes. Yeah, he just seemed like he would have really fit the mold for what they needed. But I guess it's just a question of what's left in the tank and mm-hmm. what he would want to want to do going forward. Yeah, I mean, you have to question if he can produce that that late season run in 21-22. Yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't play that much this year and I think we talked about it in a podcast earlier this year. Like even when he did play, it wasn't they weren't good minutes. And again, like on the notion of like you know, having other career prospects or whatnot. And I'm not again, this is I don't know, I don't know any of this for sure. And it's not even a condemnation of him. But it's just like, yeah, maybe I can get one more NBA contract if I just play my butt you know, finish out, play my butt off, get one more NBA contract and whatever. I mean, that would probably, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that would explain his uh, excellent play in his last 15 games uh, after Sabonis got hurt. That's true. Following their acquisition, so I don't, I don't know, but if he was ready to bounce back and kind of reignite, you know, his career as an NBA rotation guy, he would be a great option. Mm-hmm. But you know, who knows? I feel like this is, is that's us just hoping because we just like Damian Jones. Yeah. Damian Jones. I love that guy. Damian Jones and Trey Lyles took my heart at the end of 21-22 season. Man. You're just like, I don't know who the Sabonis guy is that they traded for. I don't know why everybody keeps talking who? about him. It's so funny, too, because Trey Lyles, I'm like, whatever. Like we, we got Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, we got Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson. But Trey Lyles is like the best part piece of that trade easily. I mean, clearly with DiVincenzo gone. Um, yeah. I, I never would have expected Trey to have the role that he does now no yeah I, he didn't play like the first couple of games where he only had like a little garbage time minutes and then they just put him in the starting lineup and it's just great yeah he just went That's off awesome. it's like okc right <laughs> yeah oh man those are the days <laughs> i know the end of uh a season ago or <laughs> one year ago it was fun watching davion in a starting role Davion, he was trade Fox, it. trade trade De'Aaron Fox. No, <laughs> oh that goodness. was not us. But no, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Stuff I, changes. It, it, it sure can in twelve months' time. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I that's a lot of the the potential backup centers that are set to be free agents this year. I think we can kind of both agree that Naz Reed is kind of a, a bit of a pipe dream, but Eubanks kind of seems like a pretty decent option. And it's like, we'd say he's like a lesser known name. It's like other people, you know, that follow the Kings or analyze the Kings, whatever, uh, have mentioned him too. I mean, I think again, him being in the Western conference, people are pretty familiar with him. And uh, when you really think about it, he would be really, really good relative to the role he would play. He's my yeah. number one option. I, I like realistic. So, well, actually, uh, you know what? I have to correct us both. Our number one option for the you know who should really play backup five next season is, is Victor Wimbanyama. I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> Just trade. I, I think the Kings maybe Chemez you too. Yeah, man, we're a rookie. 
And Probably we'll see what not. the Kings do in the draft, too. I mean, I doubt they'll get a center that's going to be a backup, the backup five right off the bat. But who knows? Maybe maybe they make a trade with that uh, 24th pick. Maybe they bring in a couple guys. Uh, you know, trades can happen as well, not just free agency. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying they're going to trade for a backup five, but maybe they make a trade and a backup five comes along with the package. So, I don't know. Yeah. A lot can happen more than just free agency. But free agency seems like the most plausible route to solve this issue. That's true. I mean, we'll get more into the draft next week and in the weeks to come. But like off the top of my head, I think somebody that could maybe come in and at least compete for his backup five role. Although I still think, especially on like a winning team like the Kings, you'd like to see him develop a little bit more. But I mean, hey, you know, the, the Jazz got... Kessler, or they didn't get, I think it was Cleveland drafted Walker Kessler in the late first round and, you know, ends up getting traded to Utah in the Donovan Mitchell trade and is great. So, I mean, there's there's quality rotational players to be found late in the draft. And um, so, you know, Derek Lively, the second out of Duke, is a guy that you, you might think about in that role. But, I mean, outside of that, there's like, a guy named James Naji out of he played for Barcelona in the Euro League last season. He's 18 though, and he's a project. So it's like in the way of like guys that can come and play now. It's kind of hard to envision anybody outside of uh, Duke's Derek Lively. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But plenty more on the draft to come. Um, yeah, a month, a month away, June 22nd. That's right. That's right. So- yeah. And stay tuned to capcitycrown.com. You can find out about potential prospects that the Kings can have. They have the 24th pick, the 38th pick, and then I think the 54th or 50-something pick. But, you know, a lot of prospects there in the late first, sec- early second round to think about. So stay tuned mm-hmm. for that. More to come, yeah. But, um, well, I don't know. Do you have anything else to talk about? Or why is um, it there? Well, I mean, you know, one thing – that mm-hmm. maybe we didn't mention and maybe the listeners know this, but unfortunately for what seems to be soon to be King Sasha Vezenkov, uh, Olympiakos lost the Euro league final just, uh, I think this weekend and, uh, not without a great effort from Vezenkov, but you know, heartbreaking. He wanted to win a Euro league title and didn't get to do it. I don't know if that'll necessarily stop, him from coming to the NBA because it just seems like such a sure thing. I think just from what everybody's hearing. So, but still, I guess that's, that's news. Maybe that'll be a chip on his shoulder as he comes to the NBA. He's like, you know what? Screw a Euro league title. I want an NBA championship. Yeah, for real. And it kind of just shows that, I mean, he was obviously the best player on that team. Um, and it shows that he has some leadership ability and, you know, he can perform well under pressure too. And it's perfect because the Kings are probably going to make the playoffs next year and want some guy that can won't fade in the spotlight. And Bezenkov scored 29 points in the EuroLeague final. And, I mean, showing like a guy who can rise to the occasion when he needs to. So I think that's good to see. Sasha. Sasha Fierce. What's up, Sasha? Sasha Pavlovich. Sasha Pavlovich. That was a favorite of Mike Brown. Mike Brown loves Sasha Pavlovich. And he cited Pavlovich, I think, when he went to Germany to see uh, Eurobasket last summer. Mm -hmm. And he got interviewed by European Basketball Press. And he was talking about like players who come and have really good skill sets and whatnot. You got to try to maximize it. And he's like, you know, a guy that I feel like could have maybe had a better career because, you know, uh, was so talented and had all these like tools and whatnot with Sa- Sasha Pavlovich. And I think he had him in Cleveland for a little bit. So, you know, I don't know. Start- <laughs> that just came to mind. I don't know. I don't really have a point there, but uh, I mean, it's a good story. <laughs> Sasha Pavlovich, baby. Yeah. Sasha. Anyways, <laughs> Sasha Vujovic, too. Yeah. Who, who are some other Sashas? Uh, Sasha, I don't know these other two guys. Sasha Danilovich. They all ended with itches. I sees. Yeah. Um, 
They said, I guess Sasha Vizinkov won't. He'll break that streak. That streak. <laughs> um, yeah, those are the three. But he played in 96, 97. That was it. Oh, Sasha Khan in 2016. It's a guy named Sasha Khan huh. on Cleveland. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Four. Hopefully, hopefully, like five years from now, people aren't going down this list of Sasha's and being like, hey, I don't know who this guy is, Sasha Vesenkov. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, this isn't foretelling <laughs> that future. Yeah, and so not. I don't think it will. I think I think Sasha's a, a good fit for the Kings, and I, I actually have high hopes for him. Usually, I'm not too high on these guys, but um, I don't know. I just I think he's going to fit the system really well, and yeah. I think I think the Kings are going to have a nice role for him. Yeah, he's just a legitimate shooter. I mean, I think that alone gives him a chance. But you know, the style of play that they're playing at Olympiacos and kind of his ability to come off a of movement and hit shots, you know, from from all sorts of different ranges, it's just huge. He's got mm-hmm. great touch. It's just the guy's got great touch. That's all you can see. Just great touch, good feel for the game, and yeah. tough guy. So he'll fit right in. <laughs> as anybody will tell you because we're all reading the same stuff <laughs> watching the same highlight videos watching the same euro league games all that stuff but uh hey it's a consensus i guess at least at this point yeah i think so so i'm excited for him for sure yeah but all right i think that i think that brings us to the end of it comment who you want as your fifth as your backup five going into the season or you think the Kings can acquire that would be a good fit? Love to hear your opinion, John. Anything to wrap it up? Nope. I think that that covers it. Stay tuned. More to come on the draft because uh, as we enter that month leading into it, that always gets to be compelling. And you know, we'll see what the Kings do in a different draft position than they're used to. I guess. Yeah, be interesting to see who the Kings get. But all right, I want to thank you all for tuning in, and until next time, have a good one.